We're in a series of episodes right now from the Studebaker Talks, an event we held last fall in collaboration with South Bend City Church to listen to stories about South Bend's people, ingenuity, and progress. And it was a really special night. It was held at City Church's location, which happens to be a former Studebaker factory floor. We had seven speakers, a sold-out crowd of 250 people, and we raised nearly $3,000 for the South Bend Education Foundation. In case you haven't heard, we're doing it again. So save the date, October 7th, 2022, this year, back at Studebaker Building 112. Speaker submissions will be open during the month of May, and early bird tickets will be available sometime this summer. Today, we're hearing from Juan Constantino, the executive director of La Casa de Amistad, as he shares his personal story of immigrating to the United States and finding a sense of purpose here in South Bend. Enjoy. Thanks, guys. All right. We, as a community, need to be kind and create spaces where people feel welcomed and they belong. My name is Juan de Dios Constantino Lara. I was born in Ciudad Madero, Tamaulipas, in Mexico. My parents and I, with my older brother, lived with my grandparents in a very small home. It was a concrete slab. Our shower was outside with the curtain rod and a bucket with holes in it that we would fill up with water and let us trickle down for us to shower. My mom only had an education up until the fourth grade. Because at that point in time, when she was going to school, all she could get was a notepad and a pencil that had her last year, the entire school year. My father only went to school up until the eighth grade, and then he picked up the trades in welding. My parents came together, and then they got married and had a couple of kids, and were living with my grandparents in Mexico. But what they both knew was they had these two young boys that probably weren't going to have the opportunities that they didn't get in Mexico. So they were in conversations around this thing known as the American dream. My father and mother decided that my dad was going to leave the family and immigrate and hire a coyote, someone who helped him get across the border when I was two years old. So my dad left. My dad came to Indiana, specifically Elkhart, to work in the RV industry and was in the States for three years. Mind you, I was two when my father left. For three years, I didn't see my dad. And then my mom and dad had a conversation. Hey, we've got one of two options. One, you come back and we bring this family together. Or two, we pay for another coyote so that the kids and I can immigrate to the US and the kids can pursue an education because it's not enough for you to just send money to Mexico. My parents weren't going backwards, so they said, we're going with option two, so they hired a coyote. So we began the trip to cross the border. I remember a couple of things when I was just a child at the age of five. One was there was a river that we had across. 
And the coyote had trash bags. He took a trash bag, opened it up, and then tied it. And then took another one and did the same thing. You can imagine what they look like now. I was supposed to hold on to each side of the trash bag. My older brother was supposed to be behind me. And then my mom was going to walk beside us so we could cross the river. As we made the trip across the border and made our journey into the U.S., there were certain stops where we could get water and eat. In one particular home, a woman took in the immigrants that were in this van and fed them. And she was doing this for various folks. She would go out to a fast food restaurant and buy several burgers and make sure that everyone got fed. Well, there was this five-year-old boy who didn't eat. Because that five-year-old boy, all he said was, solo quiero mi arroz en frijoles. All I want is rice and beans. This woman went out of her way to go to the store, buy some rice and beans, and cook them with my mom so that that five-year-old boy would eat and showed us an act of kindness and made the trip worth it. So we make it to the U.S. We arrive in Brownsville, Texas, and then make our way to Indiana. Well, as we are in Indiana, my, my father was in the U.S. for three years. He had started his own life. He had started new relationships. And we were only in the U.S. for two years before my mother and father divorced. And then ultimately, my father walked out on our family and not only walked out, but then left the country. Now, a single mom of now three boys left in the U.S. We crossed the border. We didn't come with a plane. She didn't have a visa or documentation. So now, a woman who doesn't speak English, doesn't have status, so can't hold a driver's license. Single mom holding three jobs, now with a mortgage, is left alone to make one of two decisions once again. One, does she go back to where her family is so that we had a foundation and support? Or two, does she make the choice to stay in the U.S. so that her boys could live the American dream and have a chance at an education? She chose option two and made sure to stay. And so we grew up in South Bend. I went to Kennedy Elementary, then Coquillard Elementary, Dickinson Middle, and then ultimately, well, we won't say the last one because I'll get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> as we were told to do when you're in seventh and eighth grade in the state of Indiana, apply for 21st century scholarships. Make sure you get those four years of free college tuition in an eight-state university. So we did, because they told us we should. My older brother and I are three years apart. I'm starting my freshman year. He's now in his senior year. He goes, applies to colleges, decides to go to IUSB. Right around 2009 was also around the same time where there was a house bill in the state of Indiana, where as an undocumented immigrant, you were going to get charged out-of-state tuition. So what was one of the most affordable universities in the state of Indiana almost tripled in tuition for him. I knew, because I was undocumented, and I didn't have this thing known as a social security number, 
that I'd be next. Well, my brother didn't give up. Went to Ivy Tech and changed education. But I wanted to make sure to have a different opportunity. So as I'm going through high school and I'm applying for all these universities and I'm going through the whole rigmarole, my Spanish teacher pulls me aside and he goes, hey, Juan, can I talk to you? How's the college application process going? It's like, great, Joe, you know, applying to Ball State, uh, you, Indiana Wesleyan, I got in early. Um, I think it's going to be good. He goes, good, Juan. What kind of scholarships do you got? It's like, well, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure that out. Um, I couldn't apply for FAFSA. I couldn't get 21st century scholarships. Everything had to be a private scholarship. Not to mention, as an undocumented student with no social security number, I'd be charged out-of-state tuition. He goes, Juan, you should really go across the field there and go talk to my friend Mike at Holy Cross College. They've got a scholarship, four years, for an undocumented student here in the area. I said, Holy Cross, the school right there, they got like 500 students, smaller than our school. He goes, <laughs> he goes, you should go check them out. Okay. So I meet with Mike, I get the tour, I start going through the process. Um, come to find out, this wasn't public news. Not, the whole world didn't know Holy Cross College had this scholarship known as the Juan Diego Scholarship for undocumented students in the area. It wasn't publicized. They didn't have to tell the world. They were just doing the right thing to welcome undocumented immigrants and give them an opportunity. As I'm going through the interview process, I'm in the final stage, there's a panel of folks. I'm scared out of my mind, I'm going through the interview, and at the end of the interview, I kid you not, I have no idea what possessed me to say this, but they were like, Juan, if you get this scholarship, what are you gonna do for Holy Cross College? Well, I sat there and said, well, tell you what, Brother Nick, you don't gotta give me the scholarship. Matter of fact, I don't want it. Because regardless of what you choose to do, I am going to go to this college because it is the only college that welcomed me as an individual and would give me an opportunity to get an education. But the process isn't done yet, right? We don't know who got it. Uh, and so I'm in high school. We have a mass once a month. One male, one female student gets this award known as a community service award. It's usually your top 10 students in the, in the school. To be clear, I was not a top 10 student, probably not even top 50%, if I'm being honest. Uh, and we had this thing where we would sit in our chairs as we we're on the gym floor and we'd look back and there's a little spot where you would try to identify whose parents were sitting there. Well, me and my buddy Danny. I look forward, I'm like, nope. He's like, who's that, who's that? Whose parents are those, whose parents are those? I'm like, dude, that's my mom. And he just goes, what? Uh, so my friend Maggie, who's like an all-star track student, gets in there, X, Y, and Z, and then they call up my name, Juan Constantino, gets the St. Joe Community Service Award, great. Go up, it's the end of the mass. My parents come down, I give them a hug. And my stepdads give me this big hug, and as you're looking almost down where we are here, you see the dean of school of Holy Cross College making her way to me. I remember just moving my stepdad out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> and Dean Benzman walks up to me and she just goes, you got the Juan Diego scholarship, you're going to Holy Cross College. 
And so what that meant was also in 2012, the Obama administration put into effect the program known as Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. So all of a sudden, this undocumented student could get a license, an ID, something known as a social security number, and damn it, when I'm done with college, I can flex my degree. <laughs> well, we're getting ready to get done with college. What are we gonna do? I'm looking at a job at Mizu. I interned in the development department, was fundraising at Holy Cross College, and I was like, and they recommended it, assistant, director of who knows what for the annual fund. Great, sounds great, pays a lot of money, that looks good. Another intern who was in our department happened to work for this small place known as La Casa de Amistad. She goes, hey Juan, you should look at this position, they're gonna make it full-time, programming assistant with La Casa de Amistad. I was like, oh, yeah, hey, well, let's see. And I was like, oh, Sam. Yeah, I know Sam. Sam and I have done a couple of panel discussions together. Uh, we did one at the St. Joe County Public Library. We've met with our you know, uh, elected officials. I'll apply. Send an email out to Sam. Boom. Well, go through the interview process. Forget to email Sam back. <laughs> Sam goes, dude, you got the job. Do you want it? <laughs> yeah, I want the job. Well, my mom was like, honey, what are you doing? You just went to school for four years, and you just took a job that paid you $12.50 an hour. What are you doing? <laughs> it's like, well, Ma, I'm working with the kids in the summertime. We're taking them on several college tours. Matter of fact, I just went to the University of Michigan, and then we're going to Michigan State next Friday. I just helped a woman create a resume, and now she's making like $60,000 a year, which also didn't make her happy because this woman was making $60,000 a year, and I wasn't. <laughs> She goes, she, so she sits me down periodically for several months. And it's like, honey, when are you going to leave? Of which, that's how our parents define success, right? Almost to a monetary value, which is okay. Because she worked pretty hard for us to get here. Well, another time comes around, she sits me down and talks to me. She goes, honey, sit down. Like, yeah, mom, how's work going? I'm like, work's good. She goes, good. Um... I'm like, I'm waiting for it. She goes, well, I just want you to know that whenever a student comes up to you and asks you for help, whenever a family is there asking for services, whenever you see a mom come into that food pantry, that you see it in the lens of it being me. Because when your father walked out on us, that was the food pantry we went to. And you need to be the person that you needed when you were growing up. And so I clearly stayed at La Casa de Amistad. <laughs> um, and it came full circle for me because not only did Holy Cross College welcome me and give me an opportunity to get my college education, but La Casa de Amistad, not only for my family when I was seven years old, allowed my family to feel like they belonged in this city, and in this country, because we do. And whether it's a woman who, as we're crossing the border, makes me arroz and frijoles and shares an act of kindness, or a friend like the one that you see here who joins me at a steaming hot rally for families that belong together, that he showed up. Or whether it's community leaders like a Jesus Rivera, a Mayor Pete, a Sam, who work hard 
to put programs into effect, like the South Bend ID program, so people know that they're welcomed in the city and that this is their city and that they can get an ID card in the city of South Bend and now in three other cities. Or whether it's a moment like this where all of you show up, either here or in a rally like the one we see up there, advocating and fighting for immigrant rights to let our community know that they belong here. We, as a community, need to, create, need to be kind and create spaces where people feel like they are welcomed and belong for our friends, for our families, for our neighbors, and for a family like mine. Thank you.